How's everybody doing? How's everybody doing? All right. So just a just a little um, of housekeeping rule. So I need you guys to talk back at me. All right. All right. So how's everybody doing? All right. That's a little better. Now, also, I want to give it up for the band. Thank you so much again for that last song. For me, that was it. Um, that I appreciate. Has anybody ever experienced the reckless love of God? Hey, man, if you have, I want you to do real quick. I want you to stand up, get up off your feet for a moment, get loose. All right. And the Bible says one of the highest forms of praise is hallelujah. Amen. So on the count of three, I just want to give our heavenly father a big shout as high as you can. Amen. On the count of three. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You can now be seated. Amen. 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 Thank you so much um, for inviting me here today. I consider um, this family. I'm not nervous. I'm, I'm excited um, to be here. Um, thank you, Pastor Stu. Thank you, First Lady Jen. Um, um, thank you so much for inviting me here. I always consider it an honor and a pleasure um, to speak on God's behalf and let him use me. Amen? Amen. Also, I want to give a big shout out to the love of my life. We just celebrated 15 years of marriage. Um, this past June. So, sweetheart, if you can stand up real quick. That's right. Amen. Y'all give it up for my bride, my, my better half. And then also, I want you to also give it up for my children. Those are my road dogs. Those are my security. So, if anybody tries anything afterwards, y'all got to deal with them. Go ahead and stand up, kids. Zion and Anaya. Amen. Amen. And then also, I just want to thank our transformation family. Uh, for um, joining me. We have a member here as well that is with us. Come on, Simona, stand up. That's right. Amen. Amen. So let's go ahead and um, get into the word. I'm excited for what God has to say today. Amen. Amen. I'm excited for what God is going to um, impart into us today. Um, so let's go ahead and go to the throne. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for your grace, Lord, your mercy and your love, Lord. I thank you, Lord, Heavenly Father, for how you're going to use me, how you're going to use this word, Lord, Heavenly Father. I pray, Lord, that if there's anything, Lord, Heavenly Father, that will distract us from receiving everything you have for us, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you will remove it right now, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we get the full measure of your word, Lord. Lord, we love you. Lord, we praise you. And, Father, we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the title for today's lesson is Confidence in a Doubting World. Confidence in a Doubting World. Now, as a body, um, as, a, as transformation, um, in the next couple of weeks, we're actually going into a series talking about the love of God, the heart of God. Amen. And at the very heart of God, I believe, is people. The very center of his heart is people. He cares for people. He loves for pe he loves on people. He will take you through some things to get the best out of people. Amen. Amen. That's at the very heart of God. Amen. And I believe that as believers, as followers, as saints, that it's our job to have the same pulse and heartbeat as God. Amen. Our, our, our heartbeat should flow directly in the same direction that God's heart flows. Amen. It should be for people. Amen. It should be for those loved ones. It should be for that person that is that we pass by 
and while we're on our way to church. It should be for people when we pass by that individual on our way to work. It should be for our neighbors. It should be for our streets, our country, the world. Amen? Amen? Amen. I want you to go ahead and we're going to actually talk about a guy that was doubting. If you can, go ahead and turn with me to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 1 through 3. And then go ahead and skip down to 6 through 10. Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And then we'll go ahead and skip down from 6 through 10. When you have it, say amen. Amen. A little louder. Amen. All right. One says, then 14 years later, I went back to Jerusalem again, this time with Barnabas and Titus came along too. I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. While I was there, I met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church and shared with them the message that I had been preaching to the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement for fear that I, or I'm sorry, for fear that all my efforts had been wasted and I was running the race for nothing. And they supported me and did not even demand that my companion Titus be circumcised, though he was a Gentile. And then go ahead and skip, on, uh, skip down to verse 6. The leaders, or and the leaders of the church, had nothing to add to what I was preaching. By the way, their reputation as great leaders made no difference to me, for God has no favorites. Verse seven. Instead, they saw that God had been give, or that God had given me the responsibility of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as He had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. Verse 8, for the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle of the Jews also worked through me as the apostle of the Gentiles. Verse 9, in fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as the pillars of the church, recognized the gifts God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching or preaching to the Gentiles while they continue to work with the Jews. The only suggestion they they had was that we keep on helping the poor, which I have already or always been eager to do. Amen. Amen. So here we have a letter that Paul has wrote. And he, he wrote this this letter to the Gentiles to display or to talk about a time where he was at his lowest point. He was getting ready. He received word from, from God. He received word from the Holy Spirit to go back to Jerusalem after 14 years. Has anybody ever had to go back to where they came from? Back to the mess that they used to, back to the neighborhood that they used to hang out, back to the neighborhoods that they used to do dirt in. Have you ever seen the old girlfriend that you didn't want to see? Yeah, the old boyfriend, whatever. You had to go back. You're like, ooh, man, I used to like her. I used to like him. Have you ever been, ha- ever had to go backwards? 
ever had to go backwards. This is where Paul is. He's he's demonstrating a time where he had to go backwards. He was confident where he was at. 14 years of doing ministry, he was confident. He was confident in preaching to the Gentiles. But now he had to he had to go back to the people that he once ridiculed, that he once murdered, that he he once was an enemy of. He had to go back to those individuals and he had to face them. He was confident. And then all of a sudden, everything around him sprung out doubt. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever been in a place where you're confident one moment? And then all of a sudden, you get in front of somebody or you get in front of something, something happens in your life, and you're completely doubting everything that God has done the last 14 years. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? This is what Paul is talking about after 14 years. 14 years. Imagine that. My son is 14 years old. Stand up, Zion. Stand up. Come on. There you go. All right. 14 years old, 14 years. You remember when you were 14? I do. I remember. I just had the, I just had the, the, um, the, the, the option um, to go to my, my kid's school this past week, and they actually went to the same school or going to the same school that we're going to, and I got to walk the hall that I once walked, and I did a lot of dirty. All right, I got to walk the walls that me and my wife met in. I got to walk the walls, and I just stopped back. Wow. Ooh, thank God I'm not 14 years old anymore. <laughs> Amen. God has brought me through a lot. Amen. Has anybody ever been through a lot? That God has brought you through so much stuff. Amen. But Paul here is in a moment where he is not only doubting, he's also discounting everything that God had previously brought him through because a moment of fear. That's what we do when we doubt. We discount everything that God has brought us through because a moment of fear, a moment of delusion, because that's all fear is. It's a delusion. It makes things seem bigger than they really are. Amen? That's, that's, what, that's what fear is. Amen? It makes things seem bigger than they truly are. I remember when I, when I played ball, when I played basketball, and I was great at basketball. Anybody ever want to challenge me, you can come, <laughs> come see me. Um, but I remember the first time that I played, I think I, was, I think I was 10 years old, and I was playing against 14, 15-year-olds. I was scared because for the first time, I wasn't the best player on the team. I was facing things and people that made me look mediocre. I didn't have any confidence. Paul is stepping in front of somebody, Peter, James, and John, that knows their word, knows all that he has done before as well. That is a 14-year-old, as you will, and he's a 10-year-old. Makes him seem little. And he's like, wow, I don't know if I can do this. What if all the things that I've done, what if all the things that God has brought me through have been for nothing? What if I'm doing this wrong? What if, what if, what if I'm not really called to do this? 
What, what am I doing here? They're the experts. Bless you. They're, they're the ones that have been called by God. They're mighty. They do mighty things. In that moment, Paul sits back and sits in his fear for a moment. And he begins to dilute everything that God has put in him. Everything. Amen? Everything. He questions everything that God has done through him. In this world today, especially in society today, it's easy to do that, right? It's easy to question everything that God has put inside of you. Am I called? Am I worthy? Am I the one that you want to do this through? Have you, have you really placed your hands on me, Lord? Do you really want me to do this or do that? Do you really want me to pastor Disciples Church? Do you really want me to pastor the transformation? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been to a point where you just, you got to show me something, God. Have you ever been to a point where you're like, I don't know. What do you want me to do? This is where Paul is. And it's easy, it's easy to miss that in the scripture because I've read this scripture many a time. And I missed that, that moment. It's a sentence. One sentence out of, this, out of this entire passage that talks about the fear that Paul had. Paul, if you, if you read about Paul, Paul was a confident dude 99% of the time. 99% of the time, he was a confident dude. He, you would never see him on stage shaking. You would never see him not a, a, a loss for words. You would never see that. But it was this one moment that he experienced something that shook his world. Fear. Fear. And he discounted everything that God had done through him. I believe that the Bible was very clear about the enemy's job. Very clear. In John 10, 10, if you read the back of that, um, that verse, it says this. I'm just going to paraphrase. That the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah, we know the verse. Say that with me. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. One more time. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You might be asking me, why are you um, asking me to repeat what the enemy does? Because I want you to know that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy you. He wants to destroy everything about you. He wants to destroy your connection. He wants to destroy your relationship with God. He wants to destroy your confidence in the gift that God has given you. Amen? One of my favorite players is Kobe Bryant. One of the things that he said to me that was um, profound, he said, well, to me anyway, it might not be profound to everybody else, but um, he was a great player. But one of the things that he said is, I'm confident in my gift. People thought Kobe Bryant was cocky. He said, I'm not cocky. I'm confident in the hard work that I put in, and I'm also confident in the gift that God has given me. Amen? He's confident. I, I, he said, I know the work that I put in, those nine, ten hours a day and stuff like that, that people don't see. And I also know 
the gift that God has given me. Amen? But the moment that the enemy can come in and rob you of that confidence in your gift, he has you. He has you. I talk about this all the time in my church, um, about Freddy Krueger. Right? Anybody remember Freddy Krueger? He was one of my favorite um, horror movies. But, and I was terrified of Freddy Krueger when I was younger. But you were too? I, I get it. I understand. Yeah, I'm with you. Freddy Krueger was scary. But what was, it, what was his power? Anybody know what his power was? Fear. Fear. That was his power. It wasn't something that he, some magic that he had or anything like that. It was fear. It was fear. And what he would do to his, the people that he was um, um, in the movie, um, the things that he would do is he would get them to believe in the fear. And it would consume them to a point that they would die, kill themselves, whatever, them, whatever it may be. But that's exactly what the enemy does. But the moment, if you fast forward to the end of the movie, the person who said, I'm no longer, I'm no longer going to accept this fear was able to defeat Freddy Krueger, right? Right? Amen. I can always call in the enemy Freddy Krueger. He has no power unless we give it to him. Amen? We, he, ha he has no power unless we give it over to him. Amen? The enemy destroys us from fear. Fear. And he also destroys us from separation. Separation. Separating us. Especially in the last couple of years, if you, you look at society, the last couple of years, we've been separated by laws, by whose side we're going to be on, Republican or Democrat, who we're voting for. We've been separated by the things in the news. I believe, and my church knows this, that one of the great, you can put that on the screen real quick. There we go. Yes, there we go. I believe that one of the greatest gifts and resources that God has given us is each other. It's each other. Yeah, we have prayer. That's great. Yeah, we have the word. We have Sunday morning worship. We have Pastor Stu that comes up here and delivers a great word every Sunday. Man, come on. Y'all give it back up. Come on. Come on. Man. Can I get another amen? I'm going to say that one more time. We'll be like that. We didn't say that. We have Pastor Stu that comes and delivers a great word every Sunday. There you go. I got you, brother. Yeah, come on, man. Hey. Man. Community is one of the greatest things that God has given us. The greatest things that God has given us. You see, the enemy thought he had Paul for a moment, right? He thought he had him. He said, ah. It was better for you to remain Saul. It was better for you to remain back where you were. You were better off there. But it was in that moment. That Paul was reminded of why he was sent there, because one, the Holy Spirit sent him. But also. Peter, James and John were able to speak an encouraging word to their brother. 
They had an extreme weight on them. They could have decided to be jealous and destroy this young man. Or they could decide to encourage him and build him up and send out another weapon to fight the enemy. They, de they decided the latter. Amen? They decided the latter. I my son, come here real quick. Pastor Stu, I want you to come up here real quick as well. Yeah. Oh, yes, I need you to do this. Come here, son. Put that on. I did that just because you. I know you're. Uh, I know you're a Broncos fan. That's all right. Somebody take a picture of this once we have. I'm going to hold this forever. That's great. Put it on. There you go. I want y'all stand right in front of me. There you go. Take it. Yeah, hold on. There you go. I want to make sure I get this. Always. There you go. The day I got you to wear a cowboy jersey. <laughs> well, stand, stand up real quick. Stand right there. One of the things I want you to know about these two jerseys. They're different colors, right? They have different patterns, right? Different numbers, right? That represents the individuality of that jersey, right? But one of the things that I really want you to focus on is what it says, what it, team it represents. Oh, no, this way. There we go. The Cowboys, right? It represents the same team. They may have different individuality or different individual gifts. They might even play different positions, right? But they play on the same team. The same team with ultimately the same goal. That's to win games, right? Which we do. I don't know about y'all. But, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but we're there to win games, right? We're, we're there to win battles, right? That's what we are called to do as believers, as saints, as followers of God. We are to take on the heart of God and realize there, are more, there is more that brings us together than more that, that should separate us. Amen? Amen? We play on the same team in different positions. That's what Paul, Peter, James, and John, Barnabas, and Titus realized. They were just different components on the same team. I think it's very vital that disciples and transformation continue in fellowship and be together. Because let me tell you something. When we do, we can take over Sacramento and Folsom. Amen. For God's kingdom. Amen. This is not just saying this is not I'm not just saying this to just pump you up. I'm saying this for real. Think about what Paul and Peter did. Peter it's the, one of my favorite scriptures that talks about Peter and his connection is that they used to they. They used to just lay out the lame and the sick just to get a glimpse of Peter's shadow to heal him. That's powerful, right? That's powerful. 
That, that requires a powerful connection with our Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. But then if you look at Paul and Barnabas, they planted churches. Right? They discipled individuals. They sent out letters. They were building up the kingdom. Amen? For those that were once overlooked. That weren't necessarily church folks nowadays. Right? They were non-Jews. Amen. They were non-believers at one point, but he transitioned them into a believer and follower of Christ. And they were able to do that because they realized, hey, we're on the same team. We're fighting the same enemy. And we need to go out and preach the gospel, be the gospel that people see. Amen. And then some people are not going to come to church. Some people are not going to. Let me ask you this real quickly. I'm going to stop right there. Have you ever got to a point where you don't want to read your Bible? Be honest. I'll raise my hand. All right. Be honest. Have you ever gotten to a point where you don't want to hear the Christianese things that come along, the, 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 all, the, all the cliches that come along? Oh, God is good. You know, all that stuff. Oh, he'll be there. No, you don't want to hear any of that. But God will send an individual that will encourage you. And I believe that God sends those individuals to get you at the the doorstep of your breakthrough. To carry you to the doorstep of the breakthrough that you need. Amen? Amen. You guys can be seated real quick. Now you stay up here for me real quick. I'll keep calling on Pastor Steve. Stay right there, Sam. Has anybody ever been on a plane before? Everybody? I know you haven't, Simone. But, but one of the, I was, God had given me this the other day while I was preparing for this message. Um, one of the most scariest things on a plane is what? Yeah, take off, right? Let me say landing, okay. Um, well, how about just falling? Yeah. <laughs> But one of, the, one of the times that you're reminded of that is during the turbulence, right? Um, but we often forget the gift that's on that plane, the crew. Um, and the, the pilot, of course, the pilot. We never forget about the pilot. But the crew. The crew is there to encourage you. The crew is there to settle you and calm you and encourage you in those times of turbulence. They're there to make sure that you are comfortable on the plane. Amen? Unless you fly spirit. Uh, <laughs> don't get on there. But on most planes, uh, you are, the crew is there to make sure that you feel comfortable. Right? I believe that God has set up a crew for us as believers. That when you are going through trials and tribulations, when you are experiencing the turbulence of life, that God has sent somebody to be your crew and to remind you of the gift that God has put inside of you. And to remind you that God is our pilot. And he knows all the things about life. And he knows the capabilities of this plane to get you through 
to the destiny that you were called for. Amen? Amen? God has something for us today. God has something for us. There, are somebody, there is somebody that is dealing with turbulence in their life right now. And I believe that God sent me to remind you that he has something special for you. That he has purpose for you. That you are not what you used to be. You are not Saul. You are not your old self. That you are a mighty child of God. And your job is to go out and change this world. Amen? God is reminding me, as even as I was preparing this message, that I'm called for more. And I want to tell you that you are called for more than your circumstance currently dictates. Amen? If you want a better job, God has it for you. Just trust him. Amen? Just trust him. Trust in the process. Get somebody around you that will pray for you in your time of need, your crew. Amen? Ones that will encourage you through life's ups and downs, life's turbulence. Amen? Amen. I want you to turn to that, that next quote for me real quick. I, um, I seen this quote earlier this week. Uh, one of the few pastors that I, uh, I listened to, and uh, Pastor Stephen Furtis said this, and I thought it was powerful. And when he said it, I actually was at work at, at home, and when he, when he spoke it, I just began to shout because, I needed that in that moment. He says this. Um, let me get to it on my. There we go. He says this. God shows up at the tomb of every Lazarus, and then he goes on. He says, "We are all Lazarus, and we all know a Lazarus." And what that means is. God is willing to show up in those dead areas of your life and revive those things. That's powerful. Anybody experiencing any dead moments in their life? Anybody need a little reviving in their life? I'm here to tell you that God is here for you. I'm here to tell you that God is here to revive those areas that you were once doubtful in. I want to be your Peter today and tell you and encourage you that God has more for you. You're not dead. The gifts and promises in you are not dead. They're much alive. And God wants you to rise up. Rise up, child of God, and walk in your purpose. Amen? Walk in the destiny that God has for you. Walk in the gifts that God has for you, because when you do, when you know who you truly are, oh, man. When a person knows who they are. When a person knows what they're called to do. The great things that they can do, the mighty things that they can do. Are immeasurable. Amen. With a God that is immeasurable. Amen. We just must, we have to trust in him. Amen? It, let me say this. It's dangerous also for you to know who you are to the enemy's camp. It's dangerous. It's dangerous for you to know who you are and who you belong to. 
it's dangerous for us to be brothers and sisters in Christ. It's dangerous for us to come together. We foil every plan of the enemy to kill, destroy, and all and, and draw fear. When we come together and we walk in our destiny. Amen. My mind often wonders, what if Peter discounted the gift that was in Paul, the gift that we would have missed if Paul never received that encouragement? One, we wouldn't have a third of the, at least a third of the New Testament. But I also want to tell you this, that my My heart also wonders what gift will we lose if you do not follow and walk in your purpose. There is somebody that's on your route that God has chosen for you and you alone to touch. You and you alone. We all play a special part in God's plan. Amen? Special part. Walk in your purpose. Be confident even when, even when the world around you is doubting. Have confidence in the gifts that God has given you. Even when everyone around you or the things around you say no. Get with your crew and take over the world. Amen. Amen. So what if they didn't believe you? So what if they don't believe in your gifts? God did. And that's all that matters. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the gifts that are in this room, Lord. Father God, I thank you, Lord, Heavenly Father, for the anointing. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the breakthroughs. Lord, I thank you, Lord, Heavenly Father, for each and every person in this room, Lord, every family that is represented here on today, Lord. Lord, and I pray, Lord, that you will touch and heal those areas of doubt, Lord, Heavenly Father. I pray, Lord, that, that you would bring confidence in them, Lord. Encourage them, Lord, Heavenly Father, to walk out of this church, Lord, Heavenly Father, and be the light that you have called us to be, Lord. Lord, I pray that every single disciple in this room, Lord, every single believer in this room will walk in your transformational power and grace. Lord, we love you. Lord, we praise you. And Father, we thank you. It's in your mighty name we pray. With a big shout, we say, amen. amen.